0: Hey!
1: You made it! Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Ofo Buike Okudo, who is a Nigerian artist based in France. Ofo shares his journey and struggles as a young artist and explains how art literally saved his life. Now Ofo focuses on NFT art and encourages other artists to stand up for themselves and not be exploited by traditional art galleries. Oh, looks like Ofo is ready. Let's get started.
0: Uh, my name is Ofo Buike Okudo, I'm an artist, Nigerian artist based in France, that speaks through lines and uh, deep textures, mostly with pens, oil pastels, and most recently graphic
2: medium uh,
0: by way of
1: NFTs. Great. Oh- Of it's great to have you on the show. Um, We we really appreciate you joining us. Actually, when I initially met you, you were working on your largest at piece to date, which was pretty incredible. And it was great to to see you doing that. But then a few days ago, you also told me that you were now working on an NFT collection and you know, Mm -hmm. the, those in the audience who may not be really familiar with your work. Uh, can you share some of your recent accomplishments and, and tell us a bit more
0: about what you do? Uh, the more interesting the most interesting project I embarked upon is uh, is the NFT, is the NFT collection. Uh, I learned it was a learning experience for me I, and it was more of a collaboration with someone that was that was more familiar or conversant with the nft with the nFT space so it's just the beginning of the of the collection and we just started um, looking for how to sell them and already for me it's an accomplishment because the learning process it's it's quite important for me as Mm -hmm. an artist and also for me uh, selling art and interacting with with my collectors is i see that as an accomplishment too so for me the most the most interesting accomplishments will be uh, trying to integrate into the NFT space.
1: Mm. I see. And And the
0: learning that comes with it.
1: For sure. Uh, Actually, so I I know you're a really creative person. You're a rising artist in France, and um, you've had your work featured several times. Uh, You've even studied at the prestigious SMOD, the school yeah. of fashion and arts and, and techniques uh but actually yeah. uh strange enough you said you sort of started started your career in a really uncreative field in, in accounting uh, mm-hmm. maybe you can tell us a little bit about your early career and how you ended up in art but also how did you end up in france
0: okay so in nigeria we have um in high school we have science commercial and arts class So, I was in commercial class. So, in commercial class, you do a lot of commerce, economics, and accounting. And uh, at that age, um, 14, uh, senior secondary school, I noticed I loved figures. I just liked the idea of money. Mm -hmm. I I didn't have money, (laughs) but the fact that I could calculate and see it on paper (laughs) was quite interesting. So, I imagine, oh, one day I'll have a bank account, and this money will be in my account. So I'm like, oh, yes, I'm going to be an accountant in future. So I was just young. And by 16, when I finished um, what you call secondary school, what is high school in America and elsewhere, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, let's see. I love accounting. And yeah, I'm going to be an accountant in the future.
2: Yeah.
0: However, when I started my accounting degree in Bowen University, I noticed nothing really changed. It's the same old... Principles, principles of accounting—it's—it's it's literally the same thing. Mm-hmm. And in Nigeria, we there was no innovation; not, nothing changed. Everything yeah. was on paper. It was so analog. It was like I literally learned Excel on a board, <laughs> mm-hmm. not with a computer. So right. the lecturer will write like, "How can you learn Excel?" That's mm-hmm. how archaic it was. Mm. So we opened a lot of ledgers and it was so boring. But I did very well. Like I was second in my class in the beginning of first year, but I was not interested anymore. But I still did well Mm -hmm. and studied hard. Uh, And um, I, beginning of third year, when I was about 18, I'm like, see, because I still kept drawing. I wasn't an artist. I didn't know I was going to be an artist. I still kept drawing. And my roommates were like, what are you drawing? Why are you drawing clothes? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're weird. So I was just drawing my spare time in the hostel. Yeah. And uh, by third year, I'm like, see, I started doing my, okay, during holidays, when I was doing accounting, during my holidays, like in Nigeria, we don't have student jobs. Like, we don't even, jobs are rare, even for pe- graduates. Mm-hmm. Talk less of um, students. And being that we didn't have, um, in accounting departments, we were not obliged to have an IT, to have industrial, whatever, work for grades yeah. during the holidays. I had to keep, um, keep busy by opening a fashion blog.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because uh, we had fashion TV, we had cable TV, and there was fashion TV. So I enjoyed it, I enjoyed watching, and I was curious to see how um, people made clothes and I'm like, how do these designers do this? What, what, what goes on in their heads? Yeah. And I was drawing clothes already. However, I was more fascinated with the, with the manufacturing phase, mm-hmm. like sewing and really bringing it to life. I didn't have the, the savoir faire, So I'm like, okay, I'll keep it in mind. I'll keep on going with my fashion blog in my spare time. Yeah, It was not actually close on me. It was more of analysis of what was going on on the runways, like London Fashion Week, Milan Fashion Week, and co. So uh, when I finished, my father is like, okay, now you've finished. What do you want to do with your life? And I just told him boldly, I want to study fashion design because I'm quite curious about the techniques, and I'd like to know how to bring close to life. And I was lucky enough to have a father that could support me financially to a very good school in France, which was, well, which is not, it's not something that your average Nigerian could pay. So I was, I was quite lucky and I took advantage of, of the, of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So about going to France, I didn't plan to go to France. It was actually the, uh, the ranking of the schools of the fashion schools that led me to France. Hmm. The American schools like Parsons and all where I was like, How can I? Is it rocket science? Mm-hmm. How will I pay this amount of money?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, am I trying to go to space or something? i <laughs> like, no, 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 this is too expensive. American schools are ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. The same thing for the British schools on the ranking, only the French schools. Okay, I saw a Bel- Belgian school that also made sense when it came to finances. However, they wrote Dutch compulsory. Like, I'm not going to learn Dutch because like, I was already conversant with French a bit. Like, Mm -hmm. Nigeria, we do basic French. We don't really speak, but we have a feel of the language. But Dutch, I didn't even know a word in Dutch. Mm -hmm. So it was just, I'm like, see, I'll forget the Belgian school. Then the next option was the French school. The school fees was... um, like half or lower than half of the American school. Sure. So I'm like, okay, school fees is reasonable. For a Nigerian, is expensive. But with a bird's eye view, it was quite reasonable. And yeah, French is something I could, I knew I could learn as fast as possible, even if I couldn't speak a word, a sentence in French. So I wrote to the exam online. I got... Um, accepted, I was so happy and uh, that's how I ended up in France, six months before resumption, in order to be conversant with the language and not just go to school without understanding anything. It was hard to understand but six months was enough time to understand um, the most important parts of the language. So that's how I got to France and uh, did well in my studies as a a fashion student, Mm -hmm. finished and I, I was actually burnt out. I was, um, honestly, I was disappointed mm-hmm. because fashion, I expected so much from fashion and mm-hmm. I noticed the, the what happened behind closed doors and what uh, what fashion industry doesn't show you because it's always shiny and uh, interesting. When you see the fashion shows, you want to be a designer. Yeah, but it was very stressful. The people weren't wearing what I thought they were, and there was a lot of there was a lot of lies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just a show. Fashion is just a show. So I was naive, and um, it was a learning experience. I I learned a lot, but it wasn't a pleasant experience. Understood. So I finished, and um, I'm like, okay, I'll most probably not be a designer. <laughs> it's funny because that's what i wanted to be because i just didn't i just didn't see myself with the people and i just didn't enjoy being around the people so i wasn't i wasn't really fulfilled i didn't feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. in the in the field so okay yeah i after my studies i i had an internship with a product designer in belgium It wasn't really in fashion design. He did more furniture, artistic furniture. So that was another learning, but difficult, but learning experience for me. I had to sleep on someone's couch and pay part of the bills in Belgium because I got the internship last minute. Mm -hmm. So, and my graduation or my diploma depended on that, um, on that internship. So it was difficult. Um, but I now, when I look back, I'm I'm quite proud of myself and and um, proud of myself that yeah I went through all this on my own, not having family or anybody in this part of the world. So it was it's the learning experience and the hardship that comes with the learning really yeah. made it all worth it. So mm-hmm. it's I miss this uh, um, hardship that I started really drawing to get away from the sadness and everything that I had just... Like, it was like my whole life had crashed. Like, you know, after your studies, reality hits you. So, I started drawing out of just... I wanted to escape. And yeah. I'm not an alcohol person. I'm not going to touch alcohol. I'm go- not going to touch drugs. That's not, that's not an escape route for me. Right. So, my drawing was a way of comforting myself. I was still, I still did not know I was going to be an artist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, in the process of drawing, I noticed there was an interesting pattern. There was an, an interesting pattern. I'm like, I always drew, but something is different this time. Something is different.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
0: like, I noticed there was a kind of identity coming into play that I did not plan. So I started posting on Instagram and it just became a career. I noticed artists were making it on social media. I'm like, why not me? And I'm like, yeah, I can do this. Why not? And that was how it morphed into something interesting where a collector, my first collector, paid um, about a $1,000 for a 50 by 70 centimeter artwork on paper that he had never seen. I have still never met him. It was <laughs> over the internet. I did not even have a website. Wow. I just had an online catalogue. Wow. I'm like, whoa.
1: That that's so real, this that that's really impressive, man. No.
0: Yeah, that, that was the that was when the light bulb came on that. See, that this
1: was is not a moment. joke. My
0: talent is not a joke.
1: Yeah. But let, let me ask you though. So I, I know a lot of uh, people in our audience. So listening to the podcast, um, we have a lot of digital creators and, and artists like yourself who have yeah. been able to find joy and find healing in, in their artwork. And one of the things that you said to me offline was, and I think this is around the same time in your story that you were basically drawing to save your life. And I know for yeah. a fact that there are people in the audience who, who find themselves in similar situations in their life. And even me, sometimes I feel like this podcast has in a lot of ways saved my life. And I'm, I'm wondering, can you share with the audience some of those experiences that you were going through on your path of you know, finding light in your darkness?
0: So it, was, um, it all had to do with my studies in fashion mm-hmm. because I was not... Honestly, I was not happy. I was not fulfilled. I had come from Nigeria, from an English-speaking country, had mm-hmm. nobody. And I, I came here with a, with a very naive mindset. Like I was 21, I was young, I'm like, I'm going to this foreign country, I'm going to Paris, I'm yeah. going to speak French, uh, mm-hmm. learn a new culture. So I was excited. Mm-hmm. So I had an Indiana Jones um, mindset that, oh, I'm going to explore and it's going to be fun. I'm going to meet people from all over the world. We are going to have fun and move around the country. Yeah. But it was not like that. Like, I was just dreaming. <laughs> and the reality was far. So, yeah, you, I wanted to mix with people. They didn't want to mix with me. I'm like, okay, there, will be de- there was definitely the skin color. Yeah, the skin color. You're we black, and it's going to play a role. Mm-hmm. So the people were weird. And they wearing they are quite cold. The French people are quite cold. And um, the black people weren't what I expected either. So my disappointment came from the people, the mindset, the Africans wearing what I thought. They weren't, they wearing the opposite of the French. It's like they were all the same and in different skin tones. So mm. I was just disappointed in the people my studies, the school was good, but they kind of exaggerated their prestige. So I had, it was just a question of my, of reality, not meeting my expectations because I paid for the expectations. I paid for what I thought I would have, but I had less.
2: Mm -hmm. So that was
0: when thats that was the beginning of the first phase of the sadness. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, I, the studies were, I did my studies, it was interesting, and, um, insomnia came with the reading of, um, of the curriculum.
2: Yeah.
0: It was really difficult, the, the curriculum was difficult, and, uh, it, the difficulty didn't come from the technical aspect of the information were being given by the, by the, um, by the lecturers, or the instructor, instructors rather, it came from people's bad attitude and just being dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we had an instructor. She worked with Karl Lagerfeld and whatnot. This woman would scream and just be a drama queen and make everybody stressed. Yeah. Like, we, we were being stressed mm-hmm. unnecessarily because it's just fashion and you just need to be a clown. You just need to act all crazy. Or just give the illusion that it's difficult or something special, whereas it's just something basic.
2: Mm-hmm. So oh, we I also had
0: to yeah, we also had to move our sewing machines every day, and it was just stress upon stress upon stress. Yeah. Now there was the immigration part where I had to renew my papers, it was hell. Mm-hmm. Because your average students had to had the right to get one year of what we call the titre de séjour, the stay. You, you they give you they, you renew every year, but in okay. my case, I don't know whether my like Nigeria is not a French-speaking country, so I did not understand. Maybe that was because th- that was the reason why my case was different. So I had to renew every two months, three months. It was so unstable. So mm. that was another case of my mental instability. Because I was so stressed. I had to manage so many things at the same time. I had to learn this language as quickly as possible. And I had to be improving as time went on. So it was it was a lot. Yeah. Then so, I had to find my final okay. No, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I had to find my final year internship. All right. And I had that was another huge stress because I didn't find one in France. I'm living yeah. in France, I found in Belgium.
2: In Belgium, knew yeah.
0: nobody in Belgium either.
2: Yeah.
0: Knew nobody. I had a few weeks to find accommodation. If not, the internship, it was the last minute. Mm-hmm. So it was a minimum of three months. And if I had gone beyond three months, like lower than three months, it's not possible mm-hmm. you know, that I would have just failed at my examination would have been totally useless because the intern should be 60% of our scores. Right. So that stress of, I can't go back to Nigeria with my, my, without my diploma <laughs> after all my parents have paid. Right, like, are right. you kidding me? Yeah, I no, told them I, this is what I wanted.
1: <laughs> I 100% get it. So yeah, so the, the culture shock of, of being in a new place and then maybe like a bit disillusioned by the way that that things worked out in the end um you know meeting people who you assume are going to be of the same culture of you but they're, they're a bit yeah. different and then the, just the whole stress of school and i imagine there's some additional stress with, with being in the fashion industry as well yes. um, like you were saying that definitely some characteristics that exist in fashion that that maybe we're not accustomed to and. In other fields, mm-hmm. so certainly not not in accounting, and I think that was the background no, that no, you were coming from.
0: No. <laughs> <a> different world.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, congrats to you. Same way, like you were able to to conquer all of those things, and and, and like we were saying before, find your your light in that darkness and mm-hmm. use that as, as, as your way to get out of that. So maybe let, let let me focus on on that side of it for a little while. So you you were saying before that you were able to get somebody to buy one of your, your first pieces of work. And and that amounted to, I think about a thousand dollars and that, that is pretty impressive. I know maybe, maybe this is based on that, but I know one of the things that you are really passionate about is ensuring that artists are paid fairly and and not taken advantage of by collectors, Mm -hmm. by auction houses, by studios. And you know, so some of us are, are new to, to this artistic field and maybe you can educate us. What are some of the ways that artists are usually taken advantage of?
0: Uh, percentages. Like when it comes to galleries, mm-hmm. artists, will, will, artists have no choice but to be bold in saying what they want and what percentage actually suits them. Okay. Because I've heard percentages like, ridiculous where the galleries or agent is literally scamming the artist. Like for example, I think the maximum should be the height should be 50, 50, 50. Okay. For a yeah, for a brick or a mortar um gallery or mm-hmm. an online gallery that sells artwork at a particular price range, like uh, not in the ten, tens of thousands, but let's say from 5,000 to 10,000, if mm-hmm. they say 50%, why not? When you see the caliber of artists they have already, it might make sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But lower than that, it's just, uh, you are just being um, swindled, and um, artists should learn to stand their ground and have um, the initiative or, let me say, just common sense to to analyze the situation, like you are the artist, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, without the art made by the artist, the art world would not, like, would not exist. So whatever the case may be, if you're not comfortable, if the artist is not comfortable with something, it's up to the artist to voice out and be like, this is what I want. This is what is comfortable for me. And another thing is, artists need to learn how to negotiate. It's something I'm also learning. Mm-hmm. I'm also, I, I keep learning everything. So, for me, in my case, I'm with two online galleries, and one I do 50 50 with one, mm-hmm. and with the other is 70 um, 30. Okay. So, it's quite favorable. And uh, in order not to get uh, exploited, I only sign non exclusive contracts. Mm. So, artists, you know the difference between an exclusive and non exclusive contract. An exclusive contract is a contract where um, you are giving the gallery 100% rights to sell your artwork, meaning you cannot sell your, your artwork on your own. It's only that gallery or agents that can sell it. Mm-hmm. So if you worth it, you need to just analyze the situation, if it's worth it or not. Because I will not give anybody 100% rights over my work to sell my work. I will just never do it. I will okay. never be that desperate.
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense to me because were two, two main points that you made. So, like, first, being able to, to get what's fair to you. And, mm-hmm. and I, I agree with you, it probably shouldn't be any more than, than 50-50. Uh, the, the artists bring the artwork up front and put in mm-hmm. the effort um, and the experience that allows for them to create something that's of value. And then the, the gallery or studio comes behind and then they, they sell it on the artist's behalf. Uh, that 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 seems like it could easily be a fifty-fifty split to me. But mm-hmm. th- then, of course, that that would depend on the um the amount of value that that for for exactly. each, each particular work. Like if if the work is is you know um like a couple hundred bucks or less than a thousand bucks, then then mm-hmm. m- maybe that doesn't make sense to do fifty-fifty no. because it doesn't leave much for the artists And of course, the studios are working in bulk, and so they. They have many other opportunities. Um, but then I, I like what you were saying of, around, uh, negotiations and the, just the way that you've been able to handle yourself in, in this field to ins- ensure that you are not taken advantage of. So in, in, in not signing these exclusive deals that sort of tie your hands, mm-hmm. because, you know, you may find a really good deal or uh, you may find what you think is a really good deal early in your career. But then a couple of years later, your career evolves and you take off and you find yourself in a different place. And there are better deals that come along. But because exactly. you're tied into a previous yeah. deal, you're not able to take advantage of these new opportunities. Yeah, that's no? so, true. So you have to be forward thinking as well as an artist and it's not dissimilar from what you see happen in the music industry where you'd see an artist assigned to a label really early on in their career and it's a bad deal and then they Mm -hmm. can't get out of that deal for a really long time until whatever they deliver on so we we see it in in some different industries as well and there so definitely some similarities there um but you you know so it, so, in in terms of of being able to get paid, uh, are you satisfied with what you've been able to accomplish thus
0: far in your career? Uh, yes, I'm satisfied. I'm still young in my career. I would be pretending if i if I told you, oh, everything is going well and everything is going smoothly. Mm-hmm. I've been pr- I've been practicing as professionally. Since, uh, 20, let's say 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. So uh, the truth is I'm young in the art world. Sure. Or I'm doing everything to accelerate the process. Yeah. Because one just has to keep going and keep grinding because being an artist is not a job. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a lifetime contract with yourself and sometimes your soul because the artwork comes from the soul for real artists. There mm-hmm. like artists that really, that really know who they are. Like your, your art comes from your soul, so you can't do anything about it. It's just who you are. It's an identity, not yeah. a
1: job. I, I love what but, you said there. That, um, it's a contract with yourself, and it's a lifelong contract with yourself to be an artist. I don't think I've heard it described that way, but that's something I'm going to carry forward. And maybe uh, I wanna touch back on your NFT experiences. So okay. I know you recently dipped your, your toes into the NFT world with, with, with a collaboration. And so you have that going on and we'll give you an opportunity to plug that collaboration at, at the end of the show so that people can check out your work. But I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on the opportunities in the NFT space for, for artists? Is this something that you would encourage other artists to to jump into?
0: Mm, I would encourage other artists to explore, Mm -hmm. not jump into. Mm -hmm. Because it's, uh, you need to understand that you need um, a community. Yeah. You just can't jump. It's not something that will happen by chance. Maybe some people get lucky. Mm -hmm. Maybe those that jumped on the craze in the beginning got lucky. However, Mm -hmm. you have to go through a lot you have to really work your ass off yeah. in order to build a community on Discord, on Twitter, which mm. is something that I'm just starting to, to understand. So I would advise artists not to jump into it. I would advise them to study, to carry out their research. Mm-hmm. Like In my case, I'm not alone in the NFT space. I'm not doing it alone. I knew nothing. I did not know how to start. I just opened an OpenSea account and I was so naive. So in the beginning, I'm telling them not to jump into it because I jumped into it so they won't have to.
2: Mm, Okay.
0: So I I opened the OpenSea account. I had my works there. I didn't even know how to market it. I didn't know what to do. So I just left it there. Like, okay, it's not going to sell anyway. I just didn't care. I just wanted to see what it was all about. I wanted to explore, so I had to jump into it. Mm -hmm. However, a wiser approach would be to go to meet people maybe on Twitter or in my case, I would advise them to go on LinkedIn because it's, it's more professional. Yeah. You don't know who you're speaking to on Twitter. Anybody can, I don't know what can go on there. LinkedIn is more structured. People are more serious on LinkedIn.
2: Okay. Go
0: and see thought leaders. Just send them a message. And they are really open to connecting people in the NFT space. You will most probably get accepted when you send a connection on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Like 90% of my connection requests to people in the NFT space were accepted, which is something really, it was shocking to me. They are always open to meet new people. So I, you need to collaborate. So I'm collaborating with a guy called Ernest. Uh, Ernest on um, LinkedIn uh, of Ignis Studio. So he he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot on layering. Like I have to, when you want to create a series of NFTs from one artwork, Mm -hmm. so you have to create it in layers. So I, I learned so much creating layers and arranging them in folders and having... I just learned so much in the whole process.
2: Yeah,
0: and um, just think about the learning, not the money. The money is interesting, but to be honest, it's just the beginning mm. for me. So I'm not seeing the money yet. We are in the marketing phase, so they need they will need a lot of patience sure. and um, and the ability to analyze and be realistic because a lot of artists are not realistic. We dream a lot. And time is going, time waits for no man. You get old and you need to, to do certain things at a certain age. So you need to be realistic mm-hmm. and admit that you do not know. And don't be, just, just don't stay in, in your studio thinking somebody will come meet you someday. No, you need to go out there and learn how to interact and communicate with the right people. And this information is quite important for artists.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. There some, some pretty good points there. So I, I hope that the audience or uh, the artists in the audience will, will taking note of that, but what, while we have you here, so since you've, you've basically had your feet in, in, in both sets of waters, So you've done the traditional art gallery and you're now working on the NFT side. What would you mm-hmm. say are the benefits of working in NFTs versus going the traditional or, or, or are there any benefits at all?
0: Uh, The NFT space, I can't really talk about the benefits of the NFT space. Mm -hmm. I will just tell them to, as I said, explore and learn at the moment. Because the truth is, nobody knows where NFTs are going.
2: Okay.
0: I'm exploring and learning as a student, collaborating with people that know better. And I'm still trying to collaborate with more people. Because I studied fashion design, yeah, I'm not a full-time fashion designer. However, there is the metaverse, and there is a lot of fashion going on in the metaverse for sure. So I also plan to do collaborations in that sense, if I'm lucky enough to get one.
2: Mm.
1: Ah, so you're saying that mm-hmm. there there are more opportunities for you for you besides just NFTs, but there's also um Metaverse skins and fashion—you see, you see all that exactly. stuff happening. Okay, no, mm-hmm. that 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 makes a lot of sense. Wow, and and that's right up your alley with your your your, your fashion background. Yeah, that that's a pretty good point. Uh, uh, well, let, let me continue along the that line. Then, are there any other opportunities that that you see in sort of these emerging spaces that are where artists can take advantage?
0: Yes, I think. There are different kinds of artists. There are artists that are just um, they are focused on one, they are they are not multi-dimensional.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not a bad thing. Some artists just have their identity, they want to stick to it, do that one thing every time. Yeah. For me, I'm quite versatile when it comes to creativity. Okay. I can do textile design, graphic design, furniture design. I already did it during my internship.
2: Sure.
0: Um, I do presently do not have the know-how to use the very sophisticated 3D softwares for fashion on the metaverse, like the really realistic ones. Mm-hmm. The software is quite expensive and you, I don't have the know-how for now. That's why one needs to collaborate. Sure. And um, recently, a guy gave me contact to another fashion platform in the metaverse which I have no I'll still have to work on that and see how to collaborate with him he he was working he's working with um horses, which has nothing to do with fashion mm-hmm. He's working with horses in the metaverse, and his goal is to raise money for those that take care of horses and horse conservation and things in that line okay so another benefit is should in case you're your artistry or your talents doesn't go with who you're communicating with. They can easily give you contacts to someone that, that you could collaborate with someone that is susceptible to like your work. Mm, okay. Exactly. So people in the NFT space are quite open minded. Yeah. You will be shocked. They are not your typical art people that are so cold and they just want to sell art. And the, a lot of people in the art world are not. Are not really warm.
1: A hundred percent. Well, yes. I, I I I don't know about the at-wall, but I I can tell you for sure that yeah, the the NFT community is very welcoming. Very uh,
0: welcoming.
1: Very open, and people are willing to mm-hmm. have conversations. Yeah. And, and I'll reiterate some of what you said as well. LinkedIn is a great place to connect for NFTs, Um mm-hmm. and, and maybe a bit bit better of a place to connect for NFTs than than on Twitter. Because on LinkedIn stuff is is filtered out, right? There's a certain exactly acceptable behavior and an acceptable level of correspondence uh, on on LinkedIn because it's a bit more professional and a bit more mature than you'd necessarily see on on a Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. And so it it might be the place to sort of get your feet wet in NFTs and then maybe move on to Twitter for some of the more leading edge and cutting edge stuff and and meeting more Mm -hmm. people. But yeah, it's a great place to network. Most of the people you try to contact and and connect with will reach out to you. will will connect back with you. It's, it's Mm. an amazing thing. And so, well, actually, so while we're on that note, why don't we, we end there? And, you know, you've been here with us, you've been sharing, um, ton of knowledge, ton of, of, of information with the artists who who are listening. And I'm sure they've been able to, to, uh, gain from some of the things you should, but also I'm sure there are other people who'd love to connect with you and ask you more questions, or even just be able to take a look at your art, your art and see if that's something that they'd be willing to invest in. How can people find you online so that they can keep this conversation going? Where can we connect with you?
0: Uh, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. At Offobike O F O B U uh, I K E. and there's the link for my um my website or my Instagram, okay. uh mm-hmm. And um LinkedIn, Offobike Okudo on LinkedIn. So I can't wait to connect with you and uh, collaborate. I love collaborations. And uh, yeah, it's quite interesting to to interact with you all out there.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, so we'll put links to to all of the all yeah. the contact information in the description of the episode. So if you're listening now, just go ahead and check the description, and you find the links to Ofo's Instagram, to his website, and also to his LinkedIn so that you can connect with with him and um, do some collaboration, ask some questions, keep the conversation mm-hmm. going. Oh, forward, sure. thank you very much for for joining us today, for sharing your knowledge. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. Finally it happened. Yeah,
1: it definitely happened. And we will we'll definitely get you back to, you know, as you continue to go in this NFT space so that we can get updated on what you're up to and and you know find out more about what you've learned so that you can continue sharing that with the community. So thanks again, brother. Appreciate you having you here.